This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Clay Young Show number 96 is off and running. How are you folks? Welcome back to Podcast225.com and the Clay Young Show. Also heard on iTunes and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Also the home of the Waiting Room podcast here on Podcast225.com, hosted by Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue and Katie Fetzer. This week's show that's currently up at the website and on iTunes and the Talk 107.3 app features a conversation about social media and the impact social media is having psychologically on people. I won't give it away, but it's a, it's a, Go listen to the show. I'll just leave it there, all right? The Waiting Room Podcast. Today, we are going to be speaking with Louisiana Secretary of State Tom Shedler again after early voting has wrapped up as I sit and talk with you now. Early, voted end, early voting ended yesterday, and it was a record turnout by Louisianans. There is also a record number of Louisianans registered to vote right now which is all very interesting, and the Secretary of State will make sense of some of that and talk about how that election cycle went during early voting. We'll also spend some time talking about some of the rumors that have been out there about trouble in the voting box. So you'll hear from him in just a moment. We're also going to talk with Lori Burgess. Lori served on the Baton Rouge Metro Council years ago, I guess going on eight years ago now. And she has been running the Sickle Cell Anemia Foundation here in Baton Rouge. And I knew Lori a little bit when she was on the city council because at the same at the at that time I was doing a radio show every day. And we talked about a lot of what was going on in the city with the council and the mayor before the current mayor and this current mayor. Lori was on the council the year Hurricane Katrina happened. And we didn't get into that in the interview, but it was just one of those crazy times for Baton Rouge. Uh, but I, I got to know her a little bit more with the Sickle Cell Foundation. I've, I've volunteered for the last few years. And the work that they do over there is amazing. The compassion they have for people who deal with sickle cell is without peer. I mean, it's it's really, really good work. And so I encourage people to donate if you can, learn more about it, because there's so many people dealing with the sickle cell disease in our community And this is mostly for people of African or Mediterranean descent who are dealing with it. And it is it's a big deal. And this organization does great work. She's not in here to talk about that so much, but I had to give her an opportunity to talk about it at the beginning of the interview. And she does. And so you'll hear from her after my conversation with Secretary of State Tom Shedler. And uh, that'll happen after I remind you to hit the subscribe button on iTunes for those iTunes listeners, and you'll get new podcasts every time one pops up. Share uh, the links to our show on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Tell people about us. And uh, I forgot to mention in the end of the show, I'm going to spend some time going through all of those constitutional amendments. There are six of them, and I'll spend some time breaking them down as best I can to try to make heads or tails of what's happening with all six of those amendments that will be staring you in the face when you go to the ballot box next week. Speaking of which, let's talk about the man who's going to be overseeing it all and ask him about the way the last week has gone. He is Secretary of State Tom Shedler, 
and he'll be our guest next. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe and Brian Lowe Financial. You can check him out online at brianlowefinancial.com. What do people value most when they're talking about money, Brian? Yeah, you know, ask yourself the question. You're driving around right now. Take a moment, cut everything out. Here's the question. What do you value most with your money? I'll be very frank with you. Most people that I work with that are 60 and wiser rank safety first. Yeah. When you have safety with your money, it'll give you some comfort. My question to you is what you're doing today with your current plan and your 401k, does it give you comfort? If you said no, you need to give me a call. I will give you some comfort to know when you can retire. The last thing is a true income plan. Do you have a true written down income plan? If you said no, you need to pick up this phone. Take my class next week. It's three weeks, one night a week. I'll give you a free textbook. I'll give you a free personal plan. It's a thousand hour value just for the information. Give me a call today. We'll get you in class. Learn more about Brian and his team and register for his class. Check him out at brianlowfinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Tom Shedler, Secretary of State for Louisiana, fresh off the early voting cycle just ahead of the main event, or at least the first of two main events in the election cycle. Tom, uh, you know, we spoke yesterday about the way early voting was trending, and you got some news about where this number is, right? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, when we talked, I think... Uh we were on the second or third day, uh, and uh, we were hitting record numbers, and that continued all the way through, Clay. And we finished with 515,000 early voters. That is an absolute unprecedented record. I mean, how, uh, how much over the record is that? That's That's got to be... Uh, well, we three, 352,000 was the highest in 12, and uh, we, we blew past that. And, uh, uh, you know, just to put that in perspective... Seventeen uh, percent. If you stop voting today and closed it out, seventeen percent turnout. Now, that's not a lot. No. But think about some of your local elections and the like that we scramble to get to seventeen and in low numbers. So, uh, when you consider that we have now three million voters, and I think I told you that last week that yeah. we finally broke past yeah. three million. Yeah. If you if you look at a sixty-eight, sixty-nine percent voter turnout. Uh, from the last two presidential elections, so let's just to keep it simple, do seventy percent. That that would be two point one million. So you get down to sixty eight. You're talking about roughly two million people voting in that range. Totally, we are already have done twenty five percent of that uh, total vote already through early voting. I mean that's unbelievable for Louisiana. And as we said the last time we spoke, with everything going on this year, I would have assumed that the turnout would have been a little bit lower. But people seem motivated. Why do you think? Well, they you know, are, this, I've this been asked that in several interviews over the last few days, and I'll give you a smorgasbord of some things I think. And there's nothing scientific to it. Okay. But uh, number one, the general anger and angst of the voting public that was exhibited during the campaigns 
and what's out there. And I think it's evidenced by the, by the two candidates uh, in the end. Uh, number two, we had great weather. Uh, and that's probably the lesser of the issue, but it certainly is a factor when weather is good and people can get out. Number three, I think it's a Tuesday election, so a lot of people are concerned, well, you know, it's a work day, uh, especially in this area. Maybe they missed a lot of work with flooding issues, um, so they, they wanted to get it out of the way. And then third is, and fourth is just the convenience of it that's becoming more and more popular. We've been seeing that on an increase. But I think the important thing to remember is that uh, – when, when early voting was brought on stream, it was anticipated it would increase voter participation. What we have found to date, unless this is the hybrid election, is that it really doesn't. It's just a convenience vote. If you take 100 people, and that's what the traditional vote has been, uh, more and more people are just electing to early vote, but we still have 100 people total at the end of the day. So we'll see what happens on this one. But uh, it certainly was an interesting uh, a process over the week, we had little or none, uh, and none being the more prevalent answer of any problems across the state. I know there were a bunch of blogs and a bunch of Facebooks about all machines were switching votes and all the like, uh, but we never had one confirmed error of a voting machine irregularity. And I, and I brought this up to somebody who texted me yesterday on that age-old blog, what they heard from Grandma or the neighbor or the <laughs> uncle that experienced it. I raised this question. With as, as um, aggressive as the voter is today and as angry as the voter is today, I, I just picture this for one minute. I, I vote for A, and it switches to B. I get the summary page, and I try to correct it, and machine just arbitrarily casts the ballot. You didn't hit cast ballot, or so you allege. And when you tell the commissioner, he or she tells you, oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. We can't change your vote. Now, you tell me the person <laughs> that would not scream as loud as can be, no that wouldn't question. have called me to have my fraud unit out there, wouldn't have called right. you or That's someone right. in the media yeah. to get out there immediately. We right. never had one incident like that. Right, no. So you tell me what's going on. I think it is a lot of you know what. And it, I'm calling it like I see it until somebody proves me wrong. Well, I think that's the case. And I think it's 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 a fear tactic to motivate people to get out to the polls to vote. And, you know, it's it's the silliest thing. How often do you find this? Because we've spoken before around elections and I don't hear this kind of thing as much. Is this something you run into every cycle we, or is it different this year? We have had... Uh, conversation or issues of people that that say that the, the machine voted someone else in almost every case and that does not mean we have not had machines that erred and we had to move, new, move a new machine in not in this election but we haven't had that but sometimes it is something as simple as someone dragging their finger those my laws are very sensitive or a lady maybe with longer fingernails it maybe it it it, it can happen and inadvertently, but again, you have that. That's why we have the summary page. When you get that summary page, it shows you how you just voted. And if you say, "Well, wait a minute, I didn't vote that," but you just hit the button and you revote that before you hit cast ballot. So we, we have. I don't want to say we've never had it, but never to the to the degree that we've had it alleged this time. But when I say alleged, alleged just in blogs and Facebook, not in actual physical complaints. Right. right. And it's been it's been peripherated. You know how how that goes. Somebody forwards it on. It's, it was like the Soros have owned all the machines here. We had contracts with them. It was amazing to me of people I personally knew, highly educated people, that could have picked up the phone to call me to verify it, just automatically blasted it out to their whole email list. 
I don't know where Facebook. the hell that came from. The whole thing about Soros. I, I don't know, the but these there. things go on and on and on. And 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 the point being, we had just an absolute. We would declare first class of early voting experience. We had nothing but compliments across the state. Lines were longer than maybe we'd like, but they went quick. People were congenial. People were happy, and that's the that's the important part of the event. Well, that's what you want. You want people out there. You want right. them voting. You want them. You know, long lines don't bother me that much in that regard because it just means people are outcasting their vote. Uh, that's right. You know, so it's it's not it, a problem. It's a two bladed sword. You, you saw it. You know, you you, you want to get them to move quicker as you can, but uh, it's democracy in action, and that's what's positive about it. What do you expect on Tuesday in terms of well, turnout? You know, if 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 the numbers play out and we get to that. 70 percent 68 67 whatever you want to pick um you know you have to assume that we're going to have some 1.5 million voters across the state yet to vote wow uh so that's a lot of people (laughs) in one day you know it's interesting when you consider we were averaging to put it in perspective clay when you consider we were averaging about 72,000 a day in early voting yeah now keep in mind it's spread out over more locations instead of having just early voting sites like three or four in a parish now you're going to have 3200 precincts so that's the main difference based upon this early voting trend it should be a a pretty quick night in terms of getting information back or is it the opposite no i I think it'll be reasonably quick i mean you could anticipate and i always caveat that by saying for everybody what the system is you know each precinct commissioner has to get that cartridge out of the machines, tabulate their vote, post it on the precinct window wall, and then bring them to the clerk and drive them there, sometimes on the sheriff's uh, escort, but many times just, and then they have to be inputted into computers we've supplied the week before and then transmitted on a phone line, closed line, never on the internet, never in, in the cloud. So it takes time. Sometimes you'll have Somebody forgot a cartridge. You got to go back and get it. So that's a delay from that precinct or that parish. So it's all human at that point and people involvement. I mean, somebody could get in a wreck. I mean, we don't hope that, but right. I mean, you know, flat tire. So I mean, all of that can delay uh, the vote coming in from a parish or a precinct. So we've, we've always got to factor that in. But you know, lately in. Uh, any election, we are out of here locking the door at the Secretary of State's office at 10.30 at night, which is incredible. Wow. You, you and I both remember it was 2, 3 o'clock in the yep. morning. Sometimes you had to wake up the yep. next morning to yep. get results. Yep. We are out of here typically on a statewide race and we're by 10.30. A, a, a 70% turnout, depending how it comes in, and we don't have any human error or problems. Uh, you know, we could be here maybe till 11, 11 to 15, but we'll certainly know much earlier in the evening, 9.30, maybe even 9.15 of the trend of where we are um, to pretty much give you some data. I mean, after that, it's just a matter of, of completing the process and getting all the precincts in. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. This trend in Louisiana with this turnout being so great is not just here. It's happening in other states as well, correct? That, that is correct. From all the feedback I've had uh, on a limited basis through my national association, it, it appears to be that across the country. Well, man, as I said last time, you know, the job y'all are doing is phenomenal. And I'm 
anxious to see how next week is going to unfold. We're going to have a new person elected president one way or the other. There'll be a brand new mayor in Baton Rouge, uh, or at least a runoff heading into it. Yes, yes. Uh, in Baton and Rouge. U.S. Senate. And the U.S. Senate race. That, that has been very, very interesting. Some entertaining television from these Senate candidates. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, it is. It's very entertaining. I think they have what a, uh, uh, as we speak, uh, there's a final debate tonight. But, that, that's right. That's uh, right. So listen, let's let's do one more plug for the uh, Go Vote app. Great. Uh, my final comment, as always, is Go Vote. That's G-E-A-U-X. If you have any doubts, especially in the Baton Rouge area of your precinct location, because it was changed, you can get instantaneous information on that, get a GPS map directly to that precinct. Uh, don't forget, we for this year, we have the Blue Dog I Voted sticker, which yes, is becoming sir. really an icon sticker. An amazing amount of people even that did mail ballots that have called in here uh, wanting to know, hey, where's my Blue Dog sticker? We've <laughs> never right. had that. And actually people from around the country who saw it on national media calling for us, can they have one? So we've never had that kind of response. Again, I thank the Roderick family, his wife Wendy and his two sons, Andre and Jacques. Well, listen. Uh, after Tuesday, I'm sure you'll probably need a day to catch your breath. But let's go. <laughs> let's go. Strap on the feed bag after that, huh? Uh, I, I'm ready. We <laughs> talked about it last show, and I absolutely want to do that with you, Clay. Thank, thank you, you, Tom. Good luck this All week, right. man. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye bye. That Secretary of State Tom Shedler will be back in just a moment with candidate for City Council in Baton Rouge, Lori Burgess. She'll be in studio with me here next. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. You know, John, people are often wondering where to go if they want to find out about killing ants, termites, spiders, mosquitoes, what have you. And it's a concern. And you end up in the big box store waiting for an answer. And really the answer is go to a Pest Stop location and ask any question. That's exactly right. If if you're tired of the mystery all of pesticides... Mm -hmm. Come see us because we'll give you exactly what you're looking for. Not only, you know, what to use, but how to use it. That seems to be the big question. How do I use a professional strength product safely around my kids and my pets? And it's very easy to accomplish. And you save money in the process. A lot. So if I'm in the New Orleans area and I want to get my hands on the product, how can I find Pest Stop? Well, in Metairie, we're located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's next to Sherwin-Williams or Villarie's Florist. And on the West Bank, we're on the Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. And, of course, in the Baton Rouge area at 806 O'Neill Lane Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Back with Lori Burgess, former Metro Council member, and she's hoping to regain the title of Metro Council member. Lori, how are you? I'm great, Clay. Thanks for inviting me over. Before we start talking about politics, let's talk a little bit about the Sickle Cell Foundation. Yes. Uh, because I I volunteered with you guys, I think, three or four yeah, uh, years uh, in a it's row. Yeah, four years now. Four years, uh, every August. 
And it is the thing you do in conjunction with Ryan Clark, Absolutely. who played at, LSU, uh, played at LSU, played in the NFL, now is an analyst for ESPN. And it's one of the best Saturdays at the on, in the back end of the summertime Absolutely. here. And people get together downtown. We raise money. There's both a, a walk and a race. Right. And I just think the work y'all do is phenomenal. And I just want to tell you that on the record here because I've seen that up close and personal. So plug, plug, plug for the Sickle Cell Foundation. Uh, Thank you so much, Clay. You know, sickle cell disease, unfortunately, is still alive and well. I will say that now researchers are starting to turn their eyes towards sickle cell and try to figure out what they can do to eradicate some of the complications associated with sickle cell. So we're excited about that. Uh, Recently, we have become involved with two PCORI grants, one out of Johns Hopkins out of uh, the Baltimore area and then one in New Orleans, Louisiana. So we're looking at ways to get uh, our clients out of the emergency room. Uh, to determine uh, doctors that will work with the coordinated care to make sure that we can minimize some of those incidences that occur. But, you know, sickle cell is a blood disorder. It it is, and I just think that it's the work y'all, like I said, the work y'all are doing is amazing. So now with everything you got going on, why in the world do you want to be bothered with being on the city council again? Don't you have enough to do? Well, yeah, but if you think even about sickle cell and um, the city council, somebody has to do it. (laughs) Somebody. I always tell people we're not a sexy disease. Being a public official is not a a great place because you're open yourself for so much um, criticism and, you know, constructive and unconstructive criticism. Right. But at the end of the day, it's about service. Yeah. It's about, you know, we talk about, well, who's going to get there and do the right thing? Who's going to sit at the table and make sure that they take care of the everyday human being? Well, I'm that girl. Let's talk a little bit about some of what's going on in Baton Rouge. As as you've seen... This year has been tough. We'll take the most recent thing first, and then we'll get to these shootings. I want to talk about the flood first. And I was at an event this morning, and I saw a councilman, and I was just asking, what is 2017 going to be like? Because we're making sales tax money now because people are buying supplies, but they're folks who had their lives turned upside down. Big year for for Baton Rouge. So if you are reelected, quotation because you, there's been a gap between your last right. time as as mayor and you are also a former mayor pro tem Absolutely. but what about baton rouge for next year well what about baton rouge to me is education and being educated as an elected official okay uh, people sometimes just get excited about being in front of the cameras <laughs> and they don't want to do their homework and anyone that really knows me know that i did my homework prior to sitting at that desk right and if i had something to say it was based on facts right and so i think that as council members we would need to work with DPW, right. work with Marsha Hanlon and those folks that's pushing the dollars and telling us where things are going and prioritizing our spending. You know, Oh, that's a big one. Depends on what, you know, special interest group or what community group you're talking to because everybody believes their issues are more important than the next. How do so, we put the city, but how do you put the city back together with everything that's happened with the damaged homes, the lost businesses, and morale in some places being as low as it is. Right. Well, you know, I always believe in, in infrastructure. Okay. You can't build a house if everything below it's sinking. Right. And um, when I served on the council, that was important to me. Uh, uh, Fred Rayford was a jewel to yeah. me. And, yeah. you know, like him a lump. And that I, just man, saw him, I just saw him last week. Yeah, but <laughs> what he taught me, and I think that every council member should learn, is 
you know, what do you really do as a council member? Right. You know, what is streets? What's drainage? What, you know, what's the infrastructure that we really do have control? Where are those dollars coming from? Yeah. How are you going to match them? You know, how are you going to get the state and federal government to help you with these major projects? Right. And see, that's what it is. So it's like, it's easy to take a, a, a buzz line, Clay, mm-hmm. and just say, okay, we're going to do this. But yeah. the reality is, if the federal government is offering funds, how do we match them with city funds? How do yeah. we do with local funds? Because as you talked about earlier, okay, we're getting those taxes now, but what's going to happen to the property taxes in years to come? I'm concerned about parts of Baton Rouge that, for instance, I was talking to somebody who's got a building on Winborn just yesterday mm-hmm. and the fight that he's having with FEMA. Yes. And he said he's done his due diligence and, <laughs> you know, he's, he's done everything they've asked him to do. But it seems like every time he, they say, well, we need this and he comes back with whatever they ask for, they throw something else at him. Almost in, in an effort to not, you know, give him the funds. And, you know, he's not looking for a handout. He's, he was that most of that area is not floodplain. And th- that got, you know, eight, nine, ten feet of water in some cases. Is there anything local electeds can do to to push that down the road to help people here who are hurting so bad? Well, when you talk about FEMA, you're talking about the federal government. Right, right. And so it's it's going to be incumbent on people like us to go and talk to, you know, the Garrett Graves. Yeah, and the, yeah. Uh, What's your relationship with Garrett? Like him, cool guy. All right, yeah. He's a cool guy, and I think he's a fair man. And so I think that that is important, you know, to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Garrett, you know, I knew him before he was Congressman <laughs> uh, right. Graves, and so um, I liked him then and I like him now. And so I think that having those conversations, making sure that they are in communication with the president. You know, more recently, I think it was on yesterday, I heard that uh, Governor uh, Edwards had asked uh, for the consider, you know, the percentage to be lower based yeah. on the March floods yeah. and the current floods to give, you know, give our economy a break and to give the people an opportunity. So I do believe that it's obvious that there's more negotiation to be done with FEMA. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, this president and this governor, they have a communication levels that hopefully before he leaves in December, we can do some more things for the state. Uh, th- talking about July and the shootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had former police chiefs in this room. I've, uh, Sandra Sterling sat in that chair three weeks maybe after, uh, actually a week after the police shooting. And lots of people want to put Baton Rouge back together. And my philosophy has been you, you got to get both sides talking to one another. Right. But we need police. Absolutely. Our communities need police. Yes. But in the inner city, uh, we also need some understanding there. And I just, what's a way to bridge this to where people are not firing figurative bombs at one another? And see, that it, that's what we're talking about. People get a buzzword or they get a half-truth and they yeah. get to a mic and they make a speech about it and then they blow everybody out of, you know, proportion and then they're nowhere around after right. the dust settles. Right. Okay, what's important to me is education. We always talk about going to the churches, mm-hmm. going to the schools. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people understand what's the role and what's the responsibility, on both sides right. there needs to be reform. Yeah. We have to have community reform. We really do. Uh, you know, I remember as a little girl, uh, it was not an option. You know, it was church, it was Sunday school, and it was vacation. By You know, so those moral values and just basic principles on how you treat your neighbor, how you treat the elderly person next door, that's who I am. Okay, and so our communities have lost those things. You know, it's like if Miss Mary down the street said, go back home and whatever, and if you went the opposite direction, you might have gotten like three spankings before you got (laughs) back to your grandmother's house. And, you know, now... 
that's not the oh, case. Oh, no, kids. I mean, the disrespect that we yeah. see in communities now. But, you know, it's it's. Yeah. I think. Look, I've got members of my family who are law enforcement. So obviously I'm pro law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the inner city is not a criminal. Right. And every police officer. I live in the inner city and I'm not a criminal. <laughs> no, you are not. That's right. And and not every police officer is someone looking to arrest and or harm somebody in the inner city. Right. Absolutely. So how do we but how do we get these two sides to talk? Because you're going to be faced with this next year. There's the the possibility that y'all could be that the mayor will be appointing a police chief either next year or the year after. So it's going to be a big part of the discussion. Right. And see, I don't run from a fight. Clay. I'm not a first responder. I am definitely a responder. Right. And so tough conversations I like to be a part of because I know there's always a way to resolve. Right. And so it's like, okay, even if it's not popular, it's conversations that need to be had. Right. So as I shared with you a few minutes ago, it needs to be reform in our communities yeah. where we bring back community and we bring back the neighbor and neighborhood. Take yeah. the hood out yeah. and make it a neighborhood. OK, so on the flip side, we need to make sure that we equip our police officers with not only the uh, the the physical equipment, but the mental equipment mm-hmm. and then giving them the dollars. We need much, many more police officers on the Absolutely. street. We need to increase their salaries Absolutely. because they're, you know, some of our officers are working in three or four different parishes. Right. You know, we need to give them the option of being able to work for EBR mm-hmm. and have, you know, and not have to go put on three different uniforms to right. keep, you know, food on their table. Right, right. And that alone is stress in itself. So if we can uh, have an opportunity to sit back at the table, because on both sides, we do need to have work yeah. uh, done, and so if and like you, I have family members who are law enforcement mm-hmm. uh, officers, and I don't want I want them to be able to do their job and, and go home, home every night, Amen. just like I want families to be able to go to sleep and not worry about their property is being damaged right. or their their families being violated. Right. So there's going to have to be change on both sides, and just with anything else, it's going to be sitting at the table and compromising, and it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Yeah, because in order to change behavior, they'll and tell you that with drug addiction, you know, you need 30 days to get started. Right. right. And then every day you get, you know, you get better. And so I think we need to get out 30 day detox. <laughs> we can do it. We can do days. it. What, what, and, and I go back to the, the original question. The work mm-hmm. you've done with with the Sickle Cell Foundation has been has been great. But getting back into this, I mean, why do you want to do this again? I love people. I love my community. I could have left Baton Rouge just like everyone else when mm-hmm. I graduated from Louis, uh, LSU. Right. But I, it was something here. I'm vested. And then when you see things bad in your house, you want to make it, you want to fix it. Right. And if somebody's not moving fast enough, you get up and you do the job. And so that's what I want to do. I'm not afraid of public service because what I. I well, that's what that's, you've been doing. Yes. And so I don't even look, when I hear the term even career politician, no. I'm a sir. I'm of service to my community. I want to be able to plant seeds for trees that one day I'll never get to sit under. That's right. And so it's like I get that question a lot. I love Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I want to see my city to be that city on the hill. Mm-hmm. You know that people can look and say that's a nice place to visit. The last couple of months we hadn't been getting some, any good marks. In fact, no. the reports coming out of Baton Rouge just started made you say, put your hand on your head and say, right. oh my god. Right. And so I want to be a part of the change. I've always been a change agent. And there are things like traffic, because, you know, back when you were on the council, y'all fought with that. I mean, you guys were you were on the city council that uh, sent the green light plan to the ballot for voters, which was the pothole tax that we renewed and built a lot of roads 
that right. came out of that first four years, but there's still a ton to be done. Some state roads, some federal, right. but in the city, there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. You know, right now I need a little suspension work done on my car, so I understand about those <laughs> Because potholes. of the potholes, Absolutely. right. right. And I didn't make a claim. That's exactly, didn't you claim. didn't make a claim. But uh, at the end of the day, those are the types of things that we have to go back and address. And even uh, more recently for the district that I served, when they uh, proposed the green light plan for um, the council district where I live and mm-hmm. I, I'm wanting to serve, I was concerned because there were not enough uh, road improvements there. Right. You know, I am so pro bike uh, Baton Rouge because, mm-hmm. you know, health-wise right, and just right, environmental, right. it's so many pluses to oh, bike. sure. And so there's a lot of great plans for that. But, um, you know, I always pride myself on getting uh, drainage and street improvements. Mm-hmm. And so... You just can't ever have enough. And so that that's something that I would like to see more in Council District 10. That district takes in LSU all the way to Southern University. Right. All the seats of government, all the historic communities. It's hard to say what works for one end will work for the other. So you got to be really diverse. Right. And then when you when you bring that diversity together, then you'll connect a district that looks like you want it to look. Well, you're right. It does. It spans from LSU all the way through downtown and the capital, and I mean the capital, state capital area, mm-hmm. to southern uh, on that back end. What percentage of that district is unincorporated? Well, on the, on the um, north side, is is that in, in within city limits? Yes, it is, because it goes into the Banks community. Okay. Okay, then it takes in all of El, um, Exxon proper, and then it picks up the Palisade there by Southern. Yeah. And then it takes the a complete university, and it goes right back to Flicker Street. So it's more than, so anything around it, like Swan and all yeah. that, that is not in the district. Yeah. So okay. it's literally okay. cut out. The university because it's so interesting it's like uh council district nine over where joel bowie is mm-hmm. that's all that's all outside of city limits because mm-hmm. it's 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 uh policed by the sheriff's office not the the city police right all of district nine look i'll ask you this a, a final couple of questions here one for people who are not familiar with you having served on the city council you're, you're brand new to them after mm-hmm. these years okay. what would you tell them about Lori that they may not know and when you look at Baton Rouge and what you hope Baton Rouge will be, what is that? Those back-to-back. Okay. Uh, first of all, Lori is a Baton Rouge girl that loves her community, born, raised here, educated in the public and private schools here in Baton Rouge. Uh, came from a two-parent household. Both of my parents had advanced degrees, and education was huge. And they made sure that all their kids had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they you know, they raised us in a Christian home. And if not, a little bit more, you can look at my uh, website, lauriburgess.com. <laughs> there you go. Okay, and my host for the city of Baton Rouge is just what I was telling you, to make our community stellar. Uh, and I think that people who serve, they have to do their homework. It right. sounds cliche, but if they don't do the work and if they don't put the hours and connect the dots, we'll still get the same results. And that I am, if I'm wrong, I don't have a problem with to say, well, I didn't understand right. and I'm wrong. Right. And if I'm right, and then if I tell you I'm going to do something, you don't have to worry about me walking down the hall five minutes later and changing my mind. I have a word. The only thing I'm coming with is my name. Lori Burgess, and the only thing I want to leave with is my name, Lori <laughs> Burgess. So I don't have any special interest that I am trying to. I know that this is not a job that you get rich off of. No. This is my offering. Yeah. I'm offering myself, I'm offering my mind, I'm offering my service and my purity to say, hey, I believe in our city. Right. And I'm going to fight to make Baton Rouge better. Lori Burgess, what's your web address again? LoriBurgess.com, www. 
LoriBurgess.com. Election Day is this Tuesday. Y'all look up Lori Burgess. And if you can, find out about the work she's doing at the Sickle Cell Foundation. Send him a check, too. All right, we'll come back and wrap up this edition of The Clay Young Show. We'll talk about those constitutional amendments that are going to be on the ballot this coming Election Day, this Tuesday, that's on the way. For those of you who haven't early voted, we'll break them down on the flip side of this quick break. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. All right. Now we talk about these constitutional amendments that are going to be on the ballot next week on Election Day. It seems like we go, we've been through this a couple of times. This is the 96th edition of the Clay Young Show, and we've had a few where we've had politicians in and we've talked about measures that may have been on the way to the ballot. And this year, uh, we've got a slate of them. We've got some property tax votes for people in the Baton Rouge area, but statewide, for those of you who are not in the capital region, there are some constitutional amendments that you're going to be considering for uh, this election cycle And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that. First up, Amendment 1 would establish new requirements for local registrars. Now, this is really not, uh, it's kind of cut and dry. Uh, Hiring registrar of voters as it stands right now would basically just allow local governing authorities a little more discretion when they are filling uh, vacancies with registrars of voters, right? Uh, If you vote for Amendment 1, what would basically happen is it would require that there is a set standard of professional and educational experience for local registrar of voters and more public disclosure in their hiring process. In layman's terms, They want people who can show some qualifications that might make them attractive to the job, and they want the details of how that hiring process was done, made public, so you can be sure about the people who are working with the Registrar of Voters offices around the state. Pretty cut and dry. Amendment number two. Now, this one's interesting. It is the Tuition and Fee Autonomy to College Management Board's amendment. Voting for it would allow higher education management boards to set annual tuition rates and fee amounts for colleges and universities around the state, and they would do this without needing legislative approval. Okay, Voting for this basically is you're setting up a board who's going to be determining what our kids are going to be paying to get into schools, colleges, and universities here in Louisiana. And, you know, as we go through all of this, I'm going to try to refrain from telling you what I think and leaning one way or the other because I, I want you to be able to make up your own mind. But understand that that's the way it is. If you vote against this, uh, you are 
basically voting to allow the state legislature to maintain authority over tuition at colleges and universities here in Louisiana. You know, the change, and there's some information to the Public Affairs Research Council's website, parlouisiana.org, that goes through all of this if you want to take the time to read some of what's going on uh, with that. The proposed change, and in fact, I'll share this, it was pretty well written at the PAR site. Uh, The proposed change would do this. The amendment would allow the higher education management boards to set annual tuition and fee amounts without legislative approval. To provide a sense of scale, the Legislative Fiscal Office estimated that a 1% increase in tuition would generate approximately $12 million in additional revenue for higher ed. The actual increase would depend on how much each board increases tuition. Tuition and scroll here. Tuition and fee increases would cost more for students and their parents while also providing additional funding for colleges and universities if enrollments do not fall steeply. And there is an argument for uh, and an argument against this. And as I said to you before, I will leave that to you to decide whether or not you want to support this or not. Amendment three eliminates the federal income tax deduction for corporations on their state tax returns, and it would set a flat rate. I talked about this on WAFB-TV last week, I think. I did a piece talking about all of these uh, these amendments. The, this one, again, for business, it's fairly cut and dry. It would eliminate the deduction for federal income taxes paid by corporations when calculating their state income taxes, and it would trigger a flat corporate tax rate of 6.5%. So in other words, you're swiping out the ability, swapping out the ability to claim the deduction of what you paid on your uh, federal income taxes and in, in the payment of your state income taxes, and it would just set that fee for corporations at a flat rate of 6.5%. If you vote against this, it would just allow corporations to continue receiving an, a state income tax deduction for their federal income taxes paid, and it would allow those uh, existing corporate tax rates and brackets to remain where they are. I know that may sound like gobbledygook to a lot of people, but uh, it, for if you're in business, it, it does make sense. You know, Again, at that par site, I'll share this with you. Uh, and pretty well written. Louisiana, along with two other states, allow businesses filing as corporations on their state income taxes to deduct the amount paid in federal income taxes for their state income tax or state income during that same year. According to the Louisiana Department of Revenue, this deduction collectively reduces the state tax liability of corporations in the state by approximately two hundred million dollars annually presently the state constitution protects this deduction and prevents legislators from reducing eliminating or manipulating the deduction it goes on present law provides for a tiered system of rates and brackets used to calculate corporate income tax owed to the state As the taxable income of the corporation grows, the percentage of total income owed decreases or increases rather until the top tax bracket is reached. Now, corporations who owe 4% on the first 25,000 of Louisiana taxable income, uh, 5% on the next 25,000, 
it goes up 6% on the next 50,000, 7% on the next 100,000, and 8% on any income above 200 grand. And as I said to you, if you vote for this, uh, this constitutional amendment would get rid of that deduction. And that would just say that this tax rate that I just kind of ran down how the percentages work out and how they compute 4% on the first 25,000, 5% on the next 25,000, 6% on 50,000, 7% on 100,000, 8% on the income, any income above 200,000. Just trying to make sure you, you're up with me on that. Voting for this one would eliminate all that, eliminate the deduction, and just have a flat rate of 6.5%. I really hope some of that made sense. If you are someone in business that this applies to, chances are you've already been briefed. And if not, then it made no real difference to you one way or the other. I get it. Item number four uh, would be a property tax exemption for surviving spouses or person of persons killed in the line of duty. Again, cut and dry. Voting for this amendment would give surviving spouses of military fire protection and law enforcement agencies who died while in the line of duty a full property tax exemption on their home. Again, giving voting for this would give surviving spouses of military fire protection officers and law enforcement personnel who died while on duty a full property tax on their uh, property tax exemption on their home. As you know, we already have the homestead exemption with which is that uh, $75,000 exemption that most people claim on the value of their home. The state constitution allows that uh, allows allows for that right now. This bill, as I explained to you, would also allow a deduction for a husband or wife of someone in the military, in fire protection, or in law enforcement who was killed in the line of duty to claim a complete exemption uh, on their home. And I guess, as you all understand, for lots of these families, we've experienced this lately, and I believe that this amendment is born out of that for some of the families who now have lost not only a loved one, a spouse, someone who was their partner in helping them raise their kids if they had kids, but they've also lost either half or in many cases, most of the household income. And this is just something to do to, I guess, take away some of the pain and you know upheaval that these families have undergone and this is not something I believe you're going to see a lot of you know hopefully we don't have a lot of people who have to take advantage of this but you know I said I wasn't going to editorialize on these but I'll just say I think this one makes a whole lot of sense and I'll just leave that one at that voting for it Uh, number five here it creates a revenue stabilization trust fund voting for amendment five would create the Revenue Stabilization Trust Fund to receive a portion of revenues from corporate and mineral taxes, and it would allow that money to be spent on infrastructure and pension liabilities. 
in other words here, pay down some debt using the revenue generated from corporate and revenue, uh, corporate and mineral taxes. Uh, A vote against this would just allow the corporate tax and mineral revenue above a certain threshold to flow into the state general fund for appropriation by the legislature. In other words, leave things as they are. Voting for this, again, would create this fund. As the current situation exists, Parr talks about it. Two of Louisiana's government's most volatile sources of funding are mineral revenue and corporate taxes. Unlike steadier sources of revenue like individual income or sales taxes, mineral revenue and corporate taxes can vary wildly. For example, in fiscal year 2015, the state brought in more than $1 billion in mineral revenue, but the projections for fiscal 2017, now think about this, will be less than $500 million, right? Less than half of what we saw in 2015. So the volatility there uh, that is handled by this current situation allowed by the state constitution will continue to exist. Mineral revenue is divided into a variety of trusts, funds, and programs before the remaining amount goes into the general fund. Annual revenue from mineral production, including severance taxes, royalty payments, bonus payments and rentals, all above 950 million goes into the budget stabilization fund, also known as the rainy day fund. We hear about that almost every year during the legislative session, especially lately. Now, this is after certain portions are diverted to the conservation fund and the Louisiana Education Quality Trust Fund. Also, an amount is taken out for revenue sharing with local governments. The Budget Stabilization Fund, intended to provide lawmakers with a cushion in times of financial hardship, can be tapped when revenue forecasts fall below certain levels. Now, voting for uh, this would deal with some of Louisiana's spending problems. Parr says it this way. Louisiana's spending problems uh, problems stems from the fact that the legislature appropriates nearly every dollar it receives every fiscal year. This amendment will stop that practice by introducing forced fiscal restraint as it relates to the volatile revenue sources of corporate income tax and mineral revenues. It will have the added benefit of recognizing that credit rating agencies Uh, assess the strength of Louisiana's trust funds when calculating the state's fiscal health and the reliability of the state to make good on its commitments. Irresponsible spending and fiscal mismanagement could cause these entities to further downgrade the state's bond ratings. Driving up the cost of borrowing money, and by the way, talking about that whole thing about downgrading our our fiscal rating based upon the way that money is being spent, I think is is something we should all pay attention to. I mean, let's be honest, this past year was was really bad. Uh, But anyway, uh, it, it goes on. Irresponsible spending and fiscal mismanagement could cause these entities to further downgrade the state's bond ratings, driving up the cost of borrowing money to finance important programs or long-term construction projects. Whether you 
support this in the way that it is constructed or not, uh, I think that you should take some time to read this to come to your own conclusion about whether you support this vessel or this vehicle being the right way to deal with the cliff that we seem to run into every year during legislative session over whether or not we're going to be able to pay our bills. And, you know, I'll just leave that uh, there for you. So uh, Amendment 6 would adjust threshold, uh, adjust the threshold for tapping projected funds. Now, voting for this would provide legislatures a new way to tap into constitutionally protected funds during revenue downturns and also extends protection to five existing funds. Voting against this would keep in place the existing trigger, which allows the legislature to tap into otherwise projected monies. Now, voting for this, or the argument for it, according to Parr, goes this way. While it is important to have a trigger high enough to discourage legislators from using protected funds in every instance a budget deficit occurs, the existing trigger for handling ensuing year shortfalls is too high and was crafted in such a manner that it was never intended to be activated. Because official forecasts for the fiscal year and subsequent fiscal years are often revised up or down at the same time, obtaining a 1% drop in projected revenue between the two forecasts would be unusual. The new trigger threshold remains high, but allows public officials to access these dedicated funds in more realistic scenarios. Granting access to most constitutionally and statutorily protected funds during severe budget deficits would also allow the legislature to more equitably distribute necessary cuts across a variety of state programs and reserves. In other words, it would allow them more access to some of these dollars that are capped off from them being able to get into in economic downturns or in a situation like we saw here in 2016 and actually use some of that money to deal with some of the issues we have in terms of debt or high costs in, in one area or the other. I mean, we we have a, a sales tax that's 10% here now because of the money position that we are in. And so voting voting for this would give a little more latitude to the legislature based upon how that formula is concocted. I won't get into the weeds too much on that one. Uh, just to say that it, it's kind of one of those house, housekeeping things that you look at when we run into times like we had this year where we had, what, three regular, three sessions, a regular and two special sessions. Uh, it just, here's hoping we don't have to deal with that again, but it's looking like we're going to have a lot of that same conversation going on next year during the legislative session that's going to take place just before summer in 2017. So very long description of all of those. Hopefully I didn't put anybody to sleep or you know, force anybody to have to go take a drink or something because of, because of all of those. I just wanted to go through them because I try to do it every time during the election cycles. So Amendment 1, again, 
establishes new requirements for local registrar voters. Amendment two creates a college management, a college management board that would set tuition and fees for colleges and universities in Louisiana. Amendment three eliminates the federal income tax deduction for corporations on state tax returns and sets a flat rate of 6.5%. Amendment four is the property tax exemption for surviving spouses of persons killed in the line of duty, specifically military, fire, law enforcement. Amendment five creates a revenue stabilization fund and Amendment 6 adjusts the threshold for tapping into protected funds. So there you have it, all the way through the amendments, and it took me less than a day, although it felt like it was as long as a week. Get on out and vote, folks. It's your constitutional right. You cannot complain about the way things are if you are not trying to be a part of the solution. Bottom line. I'm going to vote, and you should too. And for all of you who have already voted, kudos to you on that. Way to get that done. Over 500,000 Louisianans have early voted, and more than 3 million are registered to vote. So this state is taking that seriously. And just to put that in perspective, Louisiana only has just over 4 million citizens in the entire state. So not bad. Not bad at all. The next time we talk, we will have a new president and we will be facing runoffs in some races and have people elected in others. And we'll break it all down on the next edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.